0: This week we continue our series on becoming the community that God calls us to be or the the kind of church that God calls us to be. And we've been looking for a few weeks at some of the one another commands from Scripture uh, of how we are to interact with each other as as a community of believers. And so far we've seen the call to love one another we have seen the call to encourage one another and to serve one another. Today, we will pick up what is probably the hardest one another command for us, at, at, especially at certain times in our lives and certain things that we have experienced. It touches on something that every single person in this room is going to need to receive, and it touches on something every single person in this room is going to need to extend. There's not a demographic. There's not an age group. There's not a, uh, a race or ethnicity. There's not uh, male or female. There's not one demographic that's not going to fall into the category of in your life needing to receive this and to extend to this. I knew when I was going to start this series that this would be the harder one to prepare for, Uh, wanting to navigate things well and present the content uh, in a God-honoring way and a helpful way. I knew that starting out a month ago. What I didn't know Was how much the Lord needed to work in my own heart. And this week, the Lord worked in tremendous ways in my heart and revealed many things to me. Today, we're going to be talking about forgiveness the call to forgive one another. Every single person here is going to need to receive forgiveness. From One another at some point in time In our lives Every single person here Is going to need to extend forgiveness To one another at some point in time In our lives And that could be from some very minor things To some really painful and hard things But we are all a people Who are going to need to receive forgiveness And need to extend it I know that for some, this doesn't apply to everybody, I know for some that things that you've endured in your life, there are some who have endured horrific things, even criminal things. I know some of you have endured some some of the most painful things from other people in your life. And the thought, hearing the words of we need to be a forgiving people, those pains start to well up in us again. I recognize that. That was part of the reason why I knew this was going to be the harder message to prepare for. Because there are some of you who have endured some things that are so painful, when you hear these words, you immediately feel the things that have happened to you in the past. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read our passage and I'm going to just pray, pray for us. I don't want to dismiss those things. Uh, I'm going to pray that the, the Lord will settle our hearts and minds to where we can hear from Him uh, and, and not let the pains that you may have uh, be a distraction from what the Lord has for us today. So our text is from Ephesians 4. I'm going to read verse 31 and 32. The title of today's sermon is Becoming a Forgiving Community. Ephesians 4, verse 31, Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander be removed from you, along with all malice, And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your instruction to us. We thank you for your word. We thank you for its truth. God, I pray for us now as we prepare to receive this message. I pray that you will settle our hearts and minds before we get to it. Work now, Holy Spirit, to settle our hearts and minds to receive from you what it is that you have for us. Help us, Lord, learn and grow into the people that you want us to be. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Before we get to the passage from Ephesians 4 that we're going to be looking at today, there is an important truth that I want us to uh, consider. It's vital for us to consider before we get to the call. The call to forgive one another. Before we get to that, there's a first a point that we must consider. And we're just going to run through a quick couple of passages that are more than likely very familiar to you. But it's a good kind of foundation for us to start with. So the first point, the first truth for us to hold on to is this. The church is a forgiven people. The church is a forgiven people. This is of the utmost importance for us to remember this, for us to know this, for us to be able to consider what it is the Lord is calling us to with being forgiving. We must remember that we are a forgiven people. So, a couple of very familiar verses to most of us. To remind us in Romans 3 verse 23 for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God for all every single one of us has sinned and fall short of the glory of God and then Romans six 23, I'm just going to read the first part For the wages of sin is death. For the wages of sin is death. So, from Romans, we start out with the reminder that we are all sinners. Every single person in this room is a sinner. And because we have all sinned against a holy God, we have all earned death and separation from God. Every single one of us. And the, the additional reality to remind ourselves of it is we are all still sinners. Every single one of us. We still sin. We sin against our holy God. We sin against one another. That is important for us to keep in mind. Now, for the church... Let us remember that it's not just that we are all sinners. It's important to know that the church is full of sinners, but it's, it's really important that we remind ourselves that we are forgiven sinners. If we have put our faith in Christ, we are forgiven people. The church is full of forgiven sinners. And so... From Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7: In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. In Him we have redemption through His blood. That's talking about Jesus. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. And then over in Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. For you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift. Not from works so that no one can boast. You've been saved by grace. So from Ephesians 1... All of us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ, if you have believed in Jesus, then you have been redeemed, bought back. The the debt has been paid by Jesus' shed blood. He purchased us with his blood and God did this by his grace. And so the Ephesians 2 is a reminder it's God's grace that saved you. It's not anything that you've done. It's not anything that you've earned. That is true for every believer here in this room. The church is a forgiven people. If you have trusted in Jesus, you have received forgiveness. Immeasurable forgiveness. Tim Keller, in his book titled Forgive, uh, refers to this as our vertical Forgiveness. So the forgiveness that comes between God and man, and Keller argues rightly that that forgiveness is vital for horizontal forgiveness to take place. It is vital that we have experienced the forgiveness that comes from God, and it is vital that we remember how great we have been forgiven, how much we have been forgiven in order to help us with the command to forgive, to forgive others. So the first thing for us to do here is to assess in our hearts and minds and know for a fact that you have received the forgiveness that's available between God and you. And if you're here today and you have never trusted in Christ and never received the forgiveness of your sins by believing in Jesus, that is the most important thing that you have to deal with. And we would urge you to consider your need for forgiveness Today. And if you have questions about that, want to know more about that, please see me or one of the ministry leaders or our elders after the service. We'd love to talk to you about forgiveness that's available between you and God because of what Jesus Christ accomplished. But for us, church, that vertical forgiveness is also vital for us to Remember we're going to be a forgiving people, which God calls us to, if we're going to be a forgiving people, it is vital that we remind ourselves how much we have been forgiven. And so let's confess regularly. Let's pray regularly. God, I am a sinner. And you have forgiven me of so much. Let's keep forgiveness in mind and the amount of forgiveness that we've had as we consider what the Lord is calling us to. Because keeping it in mind is what's going to make it possible for us to be able to live up to this command. All right, the second truth gets to our passage today from Ephesians 4. The second truth for us concerning forgiveness is that the church is called... To forgive one another. The church is called to forgive one another. Maybe I could have worded that. The church is commanded. We are called or commanded to forgive one another. And so since the church is full of forgiven sinners, but people who still sin. we can be certain that there are going to be times where we sin against one another. It's going to happen because we are all sinners. And God has instruction for us in this. So Ephesians 4, verse 31 to 32. Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath Shouting and slander be removed from you, along with all malice. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as God also forgave you in Christ. So here we see the command, and there are commands in other places, that the church, the, the people of God, are supposed to be a forgiving people. We are to forgive one another. Now before we get to the instruction from these texts, and the, th- there's some very helpful practical things from these texts, but before we get to that, I do want us to answer a couple of questions. Because questions do come up. It's a natural thing because of our the things we've experienced. It's a natural thing because of our, our sinful hearts. When the topic of forgiveness comes up, where my mind goes is, yeah, but... Yeah, but you don't know. And you likely have that response too. Yeah, but you didn't experience this. And I think it's helpful for us to answer the questions of what is forgiveness and what isn't forgiveness. And the church, and I'm not talking about dogwood, I'm talking about the church, the church oftentimes has, has made some mistakes in how it's been presented. Uh, I, and I think there's some more helpful stuff for us to consider what this is and what this isn't. And so I'm going to use, I'm going to just share quickly, and I can send this to you if you're like, hey, I want to I wanna write those down. I'm going to share with you some stuff from Tim Keller from, from his book, Forgive that were, was very helpful in understanding what forgiveness is and what forgiveness isn't. Uh, so, first, the definition Tim Keller gives, the kind of shortened definition, he has a much longer one, but the shortened definition of forgiveness is to renounce revenge and to be open to reconciliation. To renounce revenge and to be open to reconciliation. And he goes on to say, forgiveness, therefore, then, is a promise. Forgiveness is a promise to not bring the matter up to the person, to not bring the matter up to others, and to not bring the matter up to yourself. And our hearts and minds, mine included, wants to say, yeah, but... But I think that's a a helpful tool for us to remember that this this is a promise to not bring the matter up to the other, to the person who has sinned against you, to not bring the matter up to other people, and to not bring the matter up to ourselves. And the last really helpful thing on forgiveness and what it is from this book was forgiveness is something that is often granted before it's felt. I think that's an area that maybe the church has missed in some of the communication on that. Sometimes, the ch- that forgiveness is something that is often granted before it's felt. You make those commitments of "I'm not going to bring this matter up to the individual again," while you still feel the hurt. It is often granted before you ever. Feel it. And because that's the case, that means forgiveness is a process. And I feel like there's lots of times I've heard people speak of forgiveness in the sense of, no, it's just you forgive and forget. You just let it go and it's, it's gone. But oftentimes it's a process. And depending on how great the sin is depends on, will, de- will determine how long of a process that may take as you work through those things. Another helpful thing from Keller is his explanation on what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not excusing. It's not granting an excuse to the individual. Well, yeah, you did that, but you have an excuse because this. And therefore, you're you're being excused of that behavior. So it's not giving an excuse. Because if there's a valid excuse... Then forgiveness wouldn't be necessary. So we're not making excuses. We're not dis- denying that something has happened, and I think that's that's one of the ways that people kind of misstep in their communication about forgiveness is kind of like, well, you just got to forget that that happened. You just got to let it go. We're not de- saying that you're called to deny that something horrible has happened. We're not to abandon justice, and this is definitely an area that uh, we need some clarity on. We can be a forgiving people that still pursues justice. So especially when you think of like cases of abuse and things like that, there have been People that make the mistake of saying, well, but you've got to be forgiving. And if we're going to forgive, then we got to let that go and not worry about that. And that is not true. You can be forgiving while still pursuing justice. And if something criminal has happened, you should certainly pursue justice while still pursuing forgiveness. So we're not abandoning justice. God is a God of justice. God cares greatly when injustice takes place. Therefore, the church should care about injustice. But we can do so while still pursuing forgiveness. And lastly, the forgiveness is not immediate trust and immediate reconciliation. And sometimes we think that, like, well, if I've forgiven them, then I'm supposed to just trust them uh, That may happen sometimes. With more minor offenses, the trust may be be rebuilt very quickly. But with severe things, that trust may need to be built up over time. And so when we say that you're supposed to forgive, God's not calling us to immediately reestablish trust or immediately uh, reconcile the relationship. That may be possible, but there may be times that things need to uh, really be worked through. You can still be forgiving while that stuff takes place. So Keller's very helpful. Uh, the, the book Forgive, I'm going to talk to you more about it at the end of the sermon, uh, very helpful in setting some groundwork on clarification of what, what it is that God's asking us to do, what it's not, and then providing some amazing tools to help with it. So our passage today from Ephesians 4 is a helpful passage for us. Our passage gives us some instructions on the process of forgiveness. The things that some things that we can do as a people who need to extend forgiveness to others, it gives us some things that we can Put off or remove from our lives and things that we can put on or add to our lives to help us in the process. Okay, so the first verse that we looked at today, verse 31, from Ephesians 4, helps us with what we are going to put off. I'm going to reread it. Let all bitterness, anger and wrath, shouting and slander, be removed from you along with all malice. And the reality is, if you've been sinned against, when you've been sinned against, these are things that can all start to grow in us. Bitterness and anger. And anger here is talking about rage. We should be angry about sin when it takes place. It's talking about having, like, raging against one another. Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting, and slander be removed from you, along with all malice. So, the all malice is kind of encompassing those first ones and every other type of malice. Malice is ill will towards the other individual. And Paul which is God speaking to us through Paul, is saying, okay, in this process of forgiveness, these are the things that you have to put off in order to be able to forgive, in order to be able to live out the command, then you have to put off bitterness and wrath and rage and malice against the person who has sinned against you. I think it's in Hebrews. Keller talks about it in his book. uh, Points out the verse that it talks about the root of bitterness. It's like a, a root that can start to grow and spread and come up and we are supposed to remove that. We're supposed to uproot those things from our lives if we are going to be forgiving. So we have to actively work at putting these away. And that can be hard. That is hard when you've been sinned against. It's hard to do it on our own, but church remember we aren't on our own. So when you're thinking, "But I could never forgive someone for this. I could never forgive that individual for what they've done here." We have to remember, I I I'm not I don't have to do that on my own. God's at work in me. And I can pursue this and know that the Holy Spirit will work. The Holy Spirit will produce this in me if I'm willing to follow Him. Okay, so that's what we've got to put off. The next verse, 32, helps us know what we have to put on. If we're going to be a forgiving people, we're going to have to put these on towards one another. When we've sinned against one another. Verse 32, and be kind and compassionate to one another. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving one another just as God forgave you in Christ. So we are called to, if you want to forgive, you are to put on kindness and compassion. And I don't know what all that's going to look like for you in the circumstance but as much as it is able you are to extend kindness and compassion that's what our lord has done for us think about our savior jesus his whole life a life of kindness and compassion towards sinful people towards you and me so put on kindness That's how we can forgive one another. Remove those things from ourselves that verse 31 talks about and put on those things from verse 32, kindness and compassion. So that compassion comes from, this this ties back into what we said, it's really important for us to have the foundation that we are a forgiven people. God has forgiven me of immeasurable sin. And not only has God had to forgive me, I have sinned against people before, and I have needed their forgiveness. I still sin against people, and I need their forgiveness. That's really important for us if we are going to be forgiving. And so that reminder, I'm a forgiven person, Is really vital for us to be able to extend compassion towards the individual that has hurt us. It's a a way of saying, okay, yes, it's not denying the sin that was done that wouldn't be appropriate. It's a way to say, yes, I've been sinned against by that person, but I understand I'm a sinner too. I've sinned against God. And I've sinned against others. So I understand the position that they're in. And therefore, I am going to commit to the process, no matter how painful it may be, I'm going to commit to the process of forgiving like we have been forgiven. And so church, what I would challenge each of us this week is to read these verses Read Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. And if you're really struggling with forgiveness, maybe read them every single day this week. Or every time you're reminded of the sin that has happened against you, and start praying, God, I I need your help. I need you to help me remove or put off these things from my life because my heart wants to respond. I'm saying mine does when I've been sinned against. I want to respond with bitterness and wrath and anger and shouting and slander. I have malice towards others. Every single one of us can be prone to that when we've been sinned against. And so pray, God, I need you to help me put these things off because this is not your will for my life. And I need you to help me be kind and compassionate to the extent that it's possible now, depending on what has taken place. So would you read these verses and, and just pray? God, help me be forgiving like you're calling me to. The third thing that I want us to see is the church displays the gospel When we forgive one another. The church displays the gospel when we forgive one another. I get this language. I didn't come up with that on my own. Uh, I get this language from Jonathan Lehman. Uh, We have the book out on the welcome table as a gift to uh, newcomers. One of the books that's available out there for newcomers. Uh, It's called Rediscover Church. And I've mentioned it before. He talks about how important the church is when we gather together. And one of the things he says is when you gather together for teaching and preaching, you get the gospel declared. People are speaking the truth of the gospel to you. But something else happens when we gather together. And a group of sinners who sins against one another... And then we extend forgiveness. Lehman says, that's when you get the gospel displayed. You display the gospel to the other individual. You display the gospel to the rest of the church. You display the gospel to outsiders. It's to show forgiveness really is something that you can have. And so the church displays the gospel when we forgive one another. Let's look back at verse 32 again. So be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. We're supposed to forgive just as we have been forgiven by God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So this is the way in which we are to forgive. The extent with which we are forgiven. Forgive to forgive, like God has forgiven us. God forgave us through the suffering of Jesus Christ. Jesus paid the debt that we owed through his shed blood. We didn't earn it. We couldn't earn it not possible no matter how good we may be it is not possible for us to pay the debt that we owed to God and so Christ paid for that it was by God's grace that we've received it and so we are called to be a forgiving people just like we have been forgiven and when we do that we put the gospel on display for others Will put the Gospel on display that you can receive forgiveness. You can receive a forgiveness that's even greater than the one that I'm extending. You can receive forgiveness from God because we have a God who forgives. That points, our, that points people, each one of us, and outsiders to our Savior. And that's what we desire with all of our lives, is to point people to Jesus. We can do that if we will become a forgiving people. So church, would you join me in that? Would you join me in pointing others to Jesus as we become a forgiving community, as we strive to live out our faith, and then as a group of sinners, we sin against one another. And we say, you know what? I'm going to do what God has called me to do. I'm going to forgive. Would you join me in, in obedience to the Lord? And if we'll do it, we'll put our Savior on display. We'll put the good news of the gospel on display. Forgiveness. We are called, we are commanded to become a community of people who are known for it. We've received it from God. He's made it possible for us to be able to extend it to others. Because we are forgiven and because God's Holy Spirit is at work in us To live this out, we can become the forgiving community that God wants us to be. He's faithful. I love that reminder. Philippians, I think. He's faithful to do it. It won't always be easy. In some cases, it will be extremely painful and hard. I recognize that. It's a painful process to forgive. Church hurt is one of the worst hurts because we think, but you should know better. We shouldn't treat each other like this. It's a painful process. What I'm asking each of us to do is to commit to the process. By God's grace, through God's power, I'm asking us to commit to this process. Now and always. Now, I mentioned, I understand. There are painful things that some of you have endured that make this a really hard thing. And I don't want you to walk out of here without... Helpful resources that can that can help you work through the process. because some of you may be thinking, I just don't know. I don't I don't know if I can. And so I've mentioned Timothy Keller's book. It's titled "Forgive, Why Should I?" and How Can I?" It's one of the best books I've read in several years. So I, you have probably heard me talk, so many times, you're just like, oh gosh, he's on it again. Uh, gentle and lowly. I mention it all the time. Hey, this book was transformative. This is going to be my new one. This book is one of the best books I've read in years. I read it this week, and the Lord used it in tremendous ways. And so I would strongly encourage you to get this, especially if you're, you're thinking, this is such a hard thing. You don't know what I've gone through. I would encourage you to get this. And I actually, I got through a couple of chapters and I decided, all right, this is a resource that needs to be available. And so before the end of the day on Monday, which is when I started the book, I ordered 15 copies and I want to give them to you. If you're sitting here and you're thinking, I just don't know, I would ask you to commit to the process and I want to give you a copy of the book. And if I run out of the 15, I'll order more because it is that helpful. And so would you join us in this as we strive to let the Lord work in us? It will heal us as individuals. Forgiveness will. It will heal other people. It will heal our church by God's grace. And so, as we commit to the process, church, let us remember that we have been forgiven much. And let us do the work of forgiveness by the power of God's Spirit. And as we do, let's put on display the beauty of the gospel that forgiveness is available to every single one of us because of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, You are good and faithful. Would You continue to work in our hearts and minds? Would You make us into the people that You want us to be for Your glory, God? And the church that You want us to be for Your glory, God? It's in Christ's name we pray.